All right. Were you boys ready? I am ready. Yep. This one we're doing for Andrew. No. Okay, well, fine. We don't have to do it for Andrew. Fuck that guy. I, I thought <laughs> being a Thor episode, this one we're doing for Timmy. <laughs> well, except that it's got Jane Foster Thor. So, you know, are so we really extra, doing that yeah, for Timmy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're extra doing it for him. Yeah, we're extra doing it for him. It's it, we're, we're putting our penis in Tim. <laughs> surgery on my foot about four and a half five weeks ago and i've had to wear that post-surgical boot mm-hmm. and you know the problem with the boot is that it's conspicuous right you know that you know people see it and then people who you don't know complete strangers people who are not in your life people who are not going to be in your life will ask you what's going on with your foot um I, I literally, I am standing in the parking lot at the little ice kiosk. You know, it's these little, you know, standalone ice vending machines where you can just fill up your your cooler with bulk ice. Mm-hmm. And I literally, this guy is 50 feet away from me. And he, he yells across the parking lot to me, hey, what did you do to your foot? <laughs> I mean, just some I, random? Yeah, random guy. Huh. I, I don't get that. I don't get it. I, you know, you're, you're not in my life. You're not going to be in my life. You're not going to send me a birthday card. I, the fuck, man. <laughs> Maybe that was his second I question. Don't... Hey, what's your address? I'd like to send you a get well card. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. See, but you I know what? You were gonna, get... I thought you were going to go another direction, Aaron, and talk about how when they did the surgery, they put you in that gown with your ass hanging out, just like Thor. Uh, I love having my ass hanging <laughs> I, do, I do love that. That is that is one of my favorite things. But, you know, guys, you might not have noticed this. We have been doing this stuff for 13 years. Well, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> 13 years we have been podcasting. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I, it, it, I noticed that this week. I was like, huh, huh. Wow. What a lot of time we have burned. You know, it seems like we could be doing something productive. I'm just saying. <laughs> I Lucky think that often. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> but what, what else would we do at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning? Sleep. Yeah, or 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 uh, you know, a quarter of four on uh, Sunday afternoon, as is the case today. And the reason why we're recording so uh, so late and so off schedule is because a certain motion picture opened this week. Thor: Love and Thunder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we all we all needed time to uh, you know see the film and you know digest the film and and be prepared to provide our our expert commentary that that is cultivated over a 13 year period, uh, you know. So so yeah, I mean that's why you come here, right? You know, you you come here you come here to the funny books to hear three sometimes four 
comic book experts 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 to talk to you about that i have been drinking <laughs> that, that's that's how expert we are <laughs> we're experts it has been a it has been a hard tequila day i'm just saying uh, but uh, i gotta tell you I'm, I'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil it right now um i uh i enjoyed the hell out of this I, you know, I could not stand Ragnarok and I've only recently come to appreciate it. I had a real hard time with the tonal break from uh, Avengers Endgame to, you know, and all the horrible things that happened to Thor over the course of those movies to, you know, where the the happy and ebullient Thor that we see in Ragnarok when, you know, all of almost all of his people die. Um I, I, I found this movie to be delightful and heartfelt, and uh, I, I, I loved this movie. I, 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 I dug it a lot, and I, I, I'm, I'm just dying to hear what you guys thought about it. Yeah. See, I've, I've always loved Ragnarok. I thought it was a great Planet Hulk story, uh, but I had some issues with, with Thor having to go through basically the whole storyline of discovering he's the god of thunder, not the god of hammers only to need to get a new weapon in the next Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Going into this one, I I need to rewatch it. I need to see if once the glow is gone, look at it with a more critical eye. As of right now, it's my favorite of the Thor movies. Yeah. I got to say, it's probably in my top three or five MCU movies. I, I very much enjoyed this movie. Paul? I did not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah, let's, um... let's dig in. Let's dig in. Paul, why did you, you know, so so Aaron s- sees this movie yesterday as the time of this recording, and he just sends out, "Wow, just wow!" And you know, of course, Aaron Aaron does this shit where he yeah. where we're like, "Is that a good wow or a bad wow?" And he's like, <laughs> "Wait for the show." And he just like changes the subject. Like he's like, "Oh, you know, hey, I read blah 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 this week." Like he just ignores <laughs> your question. That's what and, I <laughs> and so you know. So I saw the movie this morning and uh, I, you know, the, the credits rolled all the credits and, you know, of course, both credit sequences. And I'm like, OK, I feel like that was a bad wow. And I feel like we're going to be on the same page. And Aaron's just toying with me. And no, <laughs> that was a good wow. No, I got to tell you, I, you know, going into the movie and with all of the attention the multiverse has gotten. I very much expected that the Jane Foster that we were going to see was going to be a multiverse Jane Foster, somebody from from an alternate universe. I never and, even thought of that as a possibility, but I can see thinking that. Yeah, that was just where my head was at. And I really, you know, it's funny. I, I read the Jane Foster Thor books and, you know, for the most part, enjoyed those stories, unlike our, our good friend Tim, who, you know, desperately hated those stories, had completely forgotten the cancer story. Oh, that was the Uh, biggest part of those stories. I know, but I mean, I literally, I just, I really just hadn't thought about it. And when, uh, Jane Foster in the film, uh, reveals that she has cancer, you know, I, it it struck me really hard. You know, my, my wife recently went through, uh, chemotherapy and, uh, you know, she's doing great now. She's in remission and has been in remission for several months, but, uh, it it just hit me right between the eyes to see that on the screen. That chemo scene where she's actually sitting there with the IV in mm -hmm. that hit a little close to home. Right. Yeah. I, I, it, it hit me right between the eyes and, you know, spoilers, there's a happy ending in the comics, not so much in the movie. And I, I, 
I would have had a very different response to this film had, you know, if, if my wife hadn't gotten well. Right. Um, so it hit me personally there, but I really appreciated the explanation of why Thor and Jane broke up. Um, I liked that rom-com moment that we got in the movie. Um, and I like I, the explanation gotta, of why Mjolnir picks her too. Same. That's something same. I don't think we got nearly as good of an explanation in the comics. Agreed. And I gotta say the, you know, sometimes like in, in Ragnarok, the comedy in Ragnarok just seemed very forced to me. The comedy of Stormbreaker and uh, being jealous of Thor's attention to Mjolnir was killing me. Every time, you know, he'd be looking fondly at Mjolnir and, you know, Stormbreaker would just sort of appear in, at the edge of the of the frame. You know, like, hey, what are you doing there? <laughs> I, I, I laugh my ass off. And just just a note, the screaming goats <laughs> were fucking hilarious. Yeah. I, yeah. I was the, the screaming goats were killing me every time they showed up on screen. I was dying. One thing I noticed very different about the comedy. A lot of times in Ragnarok, the comedy was at Thor's expense. Uh-huh. You didn't get to see him be badass fighting very often right. in Ragnarok. That is not the case in this movie. When it's time to fight. He is his A game is there in every fight. Yeah, it's uh, never you know none of the comedy is at his expense when it comes to being a badass. They really show him to be a badass throughout the entire movie, and know, it never feels like he's stepping to the side for other characters. I know you guys enjoyed the God Butcher story line Actually, more than I. I was going to mention I've never read it. Well, yeah, I know Andrew did. I know Paul did. I think Tim yes. did. I uh, I did not care for the God Butcher story. I thought Christian Bale was terrific in this role. And I, you know, I, I thought what was brilliant about the God Butcher and the same thing that was brilliant about Thanos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that you're going, yeah, guy's got a point. <laughs> you know, the, the the guy's making a lot of sense. I'm kind of down with what he's saying. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't I didn't feel like he was just a mustache twirling villain. I feel like, you know, there was a, a good reason for him to be doing what he was doing. Um, I dug it. I dug it hard. The only I thing will... I didn't like about this movie was probably the first 20 minutes with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't think any of that worked particularly well, other than to introduce. I'll also say, when it comes to Gore, I loved how they wrap it up with him. Uh huh. Yeah. That it isn't a fight to the death that they get through to him. I that actually spoke a lot to me when it came to my enjoyment of the movie. But one of the things they were successful in doing as I'm watching the movie, they actually made me think that any of the characters other than Thor could die at any time. Yep. Absolutely. Valkyrie gets stabbed. I'm thinking, okay, Uh Valkyrie's dead. You yeah. know, I expecting Jane at any point to die. Korg, I thought they killed Korg. And I'm, oh, God, I, I was so upset. There. Yeah, same. I, I, I got really upset when Korg got shot. I was like, I, no! <laughs> I loved Korg as the narrator and the comedy coming from him narrating. Yeah. And I, I, getting her name wrong every time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, Jodie Foster. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Fonda. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> So Paul, the movie really like hit me in very much a different way than it did you guys. Um, in fact, you know, in fact, some of the things you specifically just referred to <laughs> rather annoyed me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the screaming goats, I thought were fine. 
the first time. I was like, oh, that's funny. And then they kept coming and they screamed the entire movie. And at some point I'm like, this movie's really loud. And I was sober. <laughs> it's not like I saw a drunk or hungover. I was just like, wow, this movie's like just it feels like everything in this movie is loud <laughs> and no one speaks at a normal volume. Everything is screaming constantly. And that annoyed me. And and I, I will say, honestly, for, for what it's worth, there are aspects of the movie that I genuinely enjoyed. Um, I thought, you know, Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher was fantastic. He mm-hmm. he did great. Um, I, I really enjoyed some of the stunning visual visuals in the movie, yeah. which, of yeah. course, you know, Taika Waititi. Um, I enjoyed the, the first representation we had of Eternity. I mean, you know I, that. Yeah. Scratching and the I right got to tell you. One of the things that I loved about that is that they didn't shy away from the surreality of mm-hmm. of eternity, right? And, and I mean, he is represented much as he's represented in the comic books, and yep. you know, previous films, not necessarily the MCU, but the but like the Sony and the 20th Century Fox films, you know, couldn't stand the idea of having a giant you know, uh, humanoid planet eater in the form of Galactus, they had to do the Galactus story, right? I mean, it was, yeah. I love that they leaned into the comic and the craziness of Steve Ditko to show you eternity. I loved that. I thought that was great. You know, one of the minor moments of the movie that just highlighted the whole movie for me was when Thor is having the conversation with Zeus, yeah. And Zeus is over the top and ridiculous. And I'm thinking, okay, this is just too much. But then Zeus leans forward and whispers, of uh-huh. course I'm terrified. Right. And it's like that moment suddenly it's like, okay, I really enjoy that that twist. He's playing it up for everyone. He's over the top. But when he gets close to Thor, he actually shows him a bit of respect and tells him the truth that, of course, he's terrified of the, the sword. I- I love the that the accent that Russell Crowe used was something out of my big fat Greek wedding. In fact, I'm like, just put a bottle of Windex in his hands. Just put a bottle of Windex in his hands. <laughs> it was great. I, I, I got to tell you, like I said, with, with the exception of the beginning of the film with the Guardians of the Galaxy, I, I loved this movie from beginning to end. And that's funny because, really again, for it. me, the, the, the I, I left the film, admittedly, I left the film thinking, you know – I kind of would like to see Guardians of the Galaxy, um, like because it it just kind of made me want to watch something good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, wa- <laughs> I wanted to rewatch Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I hear you, and I, I, I it's it's just the things that pinged on you that you enjoyed, like mm-hmm. literally, you were just referring to the Zeus scene, mm-hmm. are things that I really didn't care for. And it, for me, it very much, um, you know, when I, when we talked about Ragnarok. We, we, we've talked about Ragnarok a few times since it came out. First time I saw Ragnarok, I quite enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the humor of it. And I was like, okay, different, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying this sidestep. And then I saw Ragnarok again a few months later, you know, when it came out on Blu-ray or whatever. And I'm like, the joke doesn't work the second time for me. Like, it, it wore thin the second time, um, the surprises of the humor. And for me, that's very much what this movie felt like. It felt like, okay. Now we're just going to like extend the joke beyond the point that it's funny. And I, and at some point, you know, Wayne, you had referred to this movie took Thor a little bit more seriously than the last one. And I actually felt the complete opposite about it. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Well, I appreciate that every single thing in this movie has humor. I would like, 
I, I want to take my Thor a little bit more seriously now. I'm ready. I'm ready for Thor to be taken a little bit more seriously. Have a little bit more, um, you know, kind of almost like we saw in Avengers. You know, there was definitely humor in what Thor was going through, but at the same time, you know, when 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 push comes to shove, you take Thor seriously, and that never really happened for me in this movie. Um, and and it sounds like honestly. Everyone who I've heard of that loved this movie had an emotional attachment to some aspect of the storyline, you know, whether it was the the cancer aspect of the storyline or spoilers, you know, the father daughter element of the storyline or things like that. It seems like the and I'm not saying that that's the reason that you all liked it versus me, um, but no, it, we just it, have good taste. No, I I, I don't know. My taste is kind of <laughs> more in line with every review I've read online, funny enough. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the very mixed reviews of the film. But, you know, it, like even Aaron, it, I think you guys were referring to the, um, you know, kind of the romantic comedy montage of Thor and Jane. And I'm like, this is stupid. I'm like, he's Thor. Why is he wearing a hoodie and watching TV? I, like it just for me it just it, it was a joke that went on too long um I now again that was charming yeah. there were things i really did enjoy about the movie i actually quite enjoyed natalie portman which you know i which was shocking to me given that i i didn't necessarily care for her previously um you know but i, I thought she did a very good job in this film i'm sure you know much like wayne i enjoyed the short appearance by darcy i kept waiting for some type of WandaVision callback, but yeah, no reference. Yeah. Um, that was the weird thing is that it didn't, you know, as, uh, as frequently as we see the MCU bring in elements of the movie or thing that happened immediately before it, uh, we didn't see almost any of that in this. You know, there was no, yeah. there was no link to Dr. Strange, no link to Wanda. Uh, I, I was just really surprised by that and really no link to Loki. Yeah, it would have yeah, been no, nice to have no, just other than the play, right? Right. Yeah, it would have been right. nice to have just seen her wearing like a jacket or something to show she's working for a government agency now. Yeah, I or did really. Reference like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so glad you, you know, you're the only one that I told when you came back from that thing in Iowa or wherever the right. freaking you know state it was. You know, I just couldn't wait to tell you, you know, something. It just felt yeah. like there was there was some reference that could have gone there. I did very much appreciate that a new Asgard has become the Disneyland of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that, you know, everyone goes to vacation there. Yeah, that was funny. That, that cracked me up. And really, my, my only complaint other than the Guardians of the Galaxy piece was that in the uh, post credit scene where we see, uh, you know, Jane uh, entering the gates of Valhalla. All we see is Heimdall. And I would have liked to have seen, you know, Fandral and Hogan and Volstagg. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I wanted to see, you know, the, the, the guys from Asgard that we haven't gotten to see other than Idris But they refer to. I mean, they showed them in, you know, flashbacks. Like yeah. that guy right. and that guy. And, oh, I don't yeah. know. You know. Whatever that guy's name is. Right. See, there are so many characters I would have loved to have seen her meet there. I was fine with it being just Heimdall because it was Heimdall's son that they were dealing with. Right. But it would have been nice to have seen more or to have Thor's mom there because she had yeah. had a good conversation with her in the yeah. second Thor movie. And, yeah. But I was fine with it being just Heimdall just because of his son having been there. Yeah. Regardless, uh, I was happy to see Heimdall. You know, I mean, I thought, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it was I was completely unspoiled going into this one. I had no idea any of the things that were coming into it. None of the cameos. I didn't did not expect yeah. Heimdall. So I was pleasantly surprised. 
I expected a Hercules cameo when we saw Zeus, and when we didn't get it, I just forgot about it. So seeing Hercules in the after credits, I didn't expect it, and it made me really happy. And neither of you guys watched Ted Lasso, do you? No. Ah. (laughs) So the the actor who plays Hercules um, is one of the lead characters in Ted Lasso. First of all, I I mean, I probably shouldn't need to tell you this. Watch Ted Lasso because it's one of the best shows on television. But like when he popped up, it was just like that that was a big smile on my face. And despite my feelings about this movie, of course, if there's a Thor five, you know, that, that has Hercules versus Thor, I'll be first in line for it. Um, now, again, there were moments of the film that I genuinely did enjoy. But, you know, for most of it, it was a bit of a groaner for me. And again, it, it just sounds like it, the, the the humor hit on us very differently, because for me, it was the humor. Most of the humor didn't work. I did like the hammer stuff, you know, when the hammer was like, when, yeah, you're cheating on me. (laughs) I thought it was hysterical. Yeah, I felt like like the humor was really toned back this time. Uh, It was definitely still a lot there, but it it really toned up. It felt like everything, honestly, it kind of felt like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Like, here's all this shit that you remember, that you loved in the last one. We're just going to turn it up to 11 and do it again. Just Mm. more and more and more. And like the screaming coats and all that. And, but I don't, I I, I hear you. It's, it, it hit us differently, but for me, I was just like, okay, I'm good. I I will not be watching Ted Lasso because it's on Apple TV. Not Uh, because of anything. You're anti-Apple. I forgot. You're anti-Apple. Yeah. So good. (laughs) Well, I I just got to say, you know, the, I thought the action was fantastic. I mean, I loved all of the fight choreography. It just really seemed well considered. You know, mm-hmm. you got a sense that everybody involved, you know, knew what the hell they were doing. You know, yeah, I, I did not expect Break Apart Hammer. Yeah, Break Apart Hammer was great. That was loved well it. done. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, that yeah. was cool. And um, yeah, I liked the I liked the, the fights. The, like I said, it was well, very beautifully done. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fight sequences and I, I I'm, I'm of two minds on the ending. And yeah, clearly we're already spoiling a lot of this film. But, you know, the Thor and his adopted daughter, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm curious to to understand if I'm if I would enjoy a whole movie like that. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with that one yet. The thing that I find interesting is that, you know, back before Thor Ragnarok, Chris Hemsworth was very down on the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And then, you know, Taika Waititi shows up and says, hey, I think we can do some interesting things. And, you know, really took Chris Hemsworth's, you know, feedback into consideration and you delivered scripts that, you know, got Chris Hemsworth excited about it. I, I find it interesting that, you know, when you think about the original cycle of movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor is the only one left. You know, Iron Man's yeah. gone. Captain America's gone. You know, I, he, he's, Black he's Widow's the, gone. Yeah, you know, he's the yeah. one who's left. And he has a rich character-driven storyline going that, you know, I, I think is, is beautifully compelling. Um, I think that they, you know, obviously Thor Dark World. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, crap the bed. But, you know, I I think I I don't think you can deny, even though I don't particularly enjoy Ragnarok, 
uh, I don't think you can deny that it's a well-made film. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just I'm, I'm very impressed at this film's ability, Thor Love and Thunder, its ability to stand on its own. And yeah, I just I thought it told a, a, just a really compelling story. And I, I'm eager to see the next adventure of Thor, whether it's in another team movie or another Thor movie with Taika Waititi. I'm, I'm hoping they're going to do that because I think they've, they've left a very rich uh, tapestry from which to uh, weave their stories. It would be nice if he kept his clothes on next time, though. Oh, you know, I got to say. <laughs> I, I don't know, Wayne. I, I appreciated it. I think I was there's actually an entire really segment surprised. of fandom that really enjoyed bare-assed Chris Hemsworth. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I heard of the theaters. But uh, <laughs> no, I, that scene actually did surprise me, as I didn't think they would do that in a PG-13 movie. I mean, yeah, I know you can, but yeah. I didn't think they would in a Disney PG-13 yeah. movie. Well, Disney's not, not as family friendly as it used to be. <laughs> now we're just going to see asses everywhere. Every right. Disney movie, you're everywhere. Roll up to see, you know that new Strange mo- Strange World movie, ass everywhere. Now they've got yeah, that. The trailer for Strange World looked pretty good. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a fun movie. Curious yeah. about it. Why Why couldn't they have put Natalie Portman up there next to him and we right? get both bare asses? There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, um, I, I will say the biggest disappointment for me uh, of the movie is that. I watched a Marvel movie and there was no trailer right. for any upcoming Marvel movie. Yeah, um, I, I was stunned by that, to be honest. Like, it feels like, for me, you're telling me that Black Panther, I mean, it's been done filming for, for months now. It's not at a place where you guys can, can piece together even a teaser trailer. Right. It, it, right. It's supposed to come out in like four months, I think. Yeah, that blew my mind that they missed that opportunity. I mean, yeah. like you said, a teaser would have been fine. Something the trailers, that they shot. Yeah. The trailers were so weird for me when I was watching it because it's like half of them that came before the movie for me were like touching movies and not sci-fi or anything like that. Oh yeah, like the the the, the prequel or sequel to that movie, uh, Believe or yeah. yeah I don't even wonder, know what no. that Wonder. I don't even know what that wonder. movie is, but I saw that was before it. And then there was what I expected, the Avatar one. Uh, what I was happy about, though, there was a Black Adam trailer I hadn't seen before. Yeah, I, you know. And, yeah. Go ahead. No, I I, I, I saw it the when I saw Elvis is when I saw the Black Adam trailer for the first time. And I saw it yeah. again this week. I, uh, I saw yeah, I saw all of those. I also saw Nope, which I'm quite looking forward to. I don't uh, know what that is. It's the, new, the new Jordan Peele. Yeah. Movie. Ah. Um, hopefully, hopefully better than the last one. But yeah, I saw the Black Adam one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I was happy to see it. Um, you know, it's it's not my it's not the best trailer. <laughs> but well, know, it's very I, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's uh, I, I thought it looked cool enough. Yeah, particularly cool enjoyed enough, seeing Pierce Brosnan. It yeah, has a conversation in there that I love of uh, heroes don't kill. Well, yeah. I do. You know, um, speaking of Black Adam, I picked up, you know, this week, they there's a series of one shots coming out, or I guess that have started to come out. Uh, Black Adam, the Justice Society Files, and it's basically just one shots um, written uh, written by Kevin Scott and Brian Q. Miller. If those names are not familiar to you, um, they were writers on Smallville. Uh, they also, had, you know, I think they had a run on Batgirl for a little while. Um, so uh, pretty decent writers, um, different, you know, kind of a different um, different artists on each one, but they've got Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Cyclone, and Adam Smasher, and basically goes over who these characters are, um, 
you know, leading up to the movie. And so, you know, I I picked up the the Hawkman one uh, this week. I got to tell you, out of all those characters, the one I'm most looking forward to seeing on screen is is uh, Hawkman. Um, I, you know, I, I I love the actor Aldous Hodge. He's in that City on a Hill show on Showtime, and he's just a, a stupendous actor. Um, so I'm, I'm really ex- looking forward to seeing him. I'm really excited for Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate. Oh, yeah, but hey, Paul, yeah, how was how was that Black Adam one shot? It was great, you know, right? <laughs> I won't say it was great, but I also won't say it was garbage. Um, this Black Adam one shot very much read like you know when COVID first started. And I'm comparing it to the to the hundreds of thousands or of deaths. I'm comparing it to <laughs> when DC went with you know when comic shops were shut down and DC was like screw it we're just going to release digital comics that are new reader friendly, relatively unoffensive, just like here's Superman saving a cat from a tree kind of thing, like you know core concept storylines, all ages friendly. That's what this book felt like to me. Um, you know it's it's a Hawkman story. You know, very much set within the the context of the universe. There's references to Superman and the Suicide Squad, and you know, kind of set in set in that DCEU, though not, you know, none of those characters appear. Um, but you know, they, they they kind of go over the vibranium aspect and and you know that kind of stuff. Again, I won't say that it was a good book, but it was probably it, it was very much the types of stories that DC was publishing during COVID. Just unoffensive, easy breezy. You know, forgettable, quick Hawkman story. Isn't Vibranium a Marvel element? Sorry, not Vibranium. Yeah. What's the Nth um, metal? Nth metal. metal? The Nth metal. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. The Nth thank metal. You. Yeah. No, th- right. thank you for the. Cr- yeah. I've, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find <laughs> that the prequel comics just typically aren't very good, so I wasn't getting it. If I did get one, though, it would probably be either the Adam Smasher one, because I love that character, or Doctor Fate. But I've never been a big fan of. Well, I wouldn't no, even I mean, go that far. Bad. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Ninety like percent of them are bad. It's it, 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 the the good ones are few and far between. And I wouldn't qualify this as a standout one. Um, but when it's on DC Universe Infinite, or you know, when it's on sale for ninety nine cents, it's worth a read. You know, for me, I, I've I've always enjoyed Hawkman as a character, but he's one of those tough nuts to crack. Um, so when I read a Hawkman book that's just not garbage, <laughs> like I was like, okay, it wasn't. It, it, I didn't throw my iPad. I finished it and I'm like, oh, okay, that was a book. So that that that's my review. You know, you can put that on the cover of the second issue. It was a book. Yeah. So you know, Paul, also a book I is uh, you know Batman issue 125. And I I have to con- I have to confess to some confusion here because uh, last week in uh, the pages of I guess Batman Catwoman number 12, mm-hmm. Batman and Catwoman finally get married. Um, in this issue, Catwoman's apparently seeing other guys and is, uh, you know, comfortable enough to call, uh, you know, uh, to, you know, take a call from Bruce post-coitus with some other dude. The fuck, Paul? We don't know that they're post-coitus. Maybe well, they just, totally are. Maybe it's hot. Maybe the AC is out in their apartment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're both in their underwear. You know, she just got out of bed. I am certain that this is what post-coitus There was coital interaction. No, you know, for me, um, no, I hear you. The 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 storyline, so Batman Catwoman, I already kind of took his out of continuity anyway, but this, mm-hmm. I, I actually will say, I really enjoyed Batman 125. Even I had confusion because it is very steeped into current continuity without getting you caught up on current continuity. Like, again, 
okay, well, Catwoman's off with another guy. You know, Bruce Wayne's like rich people broke, but you know, right? Like, like I read some of those storylines, but I was kind of hoping, for what it's worth, I was kind of hoping this was a little bit more of a back to the 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 status quo that we're familiar with kind of thing back kind of thing yeah you know or something like you know i i I was it it felt despite the fact that it's a new creative team it felt like it was mired in a current continuity that i'm just not 100 percent familiar with right um and without any real like asterisk to get me caught up like you know confused bruce wayne and catwoman broke up in the pages of batman issue 123 or something like that you know would have been enough to, to help, but I, I definitely had some confusing moments. That being said, this kind of goes back to what I was just saying about Black Adam. This book, outside of those continuity confusion elements, felt very much like this is a core concept Batman story. Penguins threatening rich people, Batman and Robin are teaming up, Clayface pops up, big surprise. Like I, I actually really enjoyed this book because of how simplistic and straightforward the story was. I can see it definitely felt like it was getting back to basics with Batman, Yeah. but also kind of moving things forward because we're seeing a more vicious than usual penguin because he's dying. Yeah. Well, and he's not dead. I mean, come on. We, we, oh, like, you know, he flies. And it's like, ah, that's a, that's a cop out. 12 issues from now, we know it'll be, or 10 issues from now, two issues before the end of the storyline, we'll see penguin still alive, but I enjoyed it. I, I actually really enjoyed the book and I loved the art. Um, but yeah, just a you know back to basics. Batman is what it felt like to me, and I can't complain about that because that's kind of just what I wanted. Yeah, I, I haven't enjoyed the main Batman, Batman book in a while, but I enjoyed this one. Can I just say that Bruce Wayne in his uh, Batman cowl, wearing tuxedo <laughs> pants and a dress shirt, uh, <laughs> fighting crime is is one of the most badass images I've ever seen. <laughs> I, that is, is, and he's got his utility belt on. I mean, I'm just like, oh yeah, I need this action figure. Right now, it feels <laughs> very golden age too. Uh-huh. It does. I love that he's just like. I mean, I get it. It's like a black tie thing event, so it's not like anyone's gonna be like that. Feels like the clothing that Bruce Wayne was wearing. Right. But it was. Just, it just kind of. Cra- and not on top of that, he was wearing a, a bow tie. Uh-huh. Batman unbuttoned that shirt to show off that chest hair. That's right. That he like, absolutely. He's, he's like, I'm gonna button like three of these buttons and throw on yeah. my cowl. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to clay face. And I'm not wearing an undershirt. Uh. <laughs> and what I really appreciated too was getting to see him and Tim back. Yeah. The two What's of them that, side by side with Tim as Robin. I gotta tell you, the 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 sequence where Tim gets shot through the throat is, I mean, is very affecting. Yeah. And then they, I I mean, that's the perfect moment for a Tim Drake's dead story. Um, you know him. I, I just don't know how well you're able to keep someone alive in that sort of a gnarly shot, uh, you know, driving them to the hospital. You know, I mean, I just I, I really the scene was was perfect right, yeah. for the drama. Well, and, and then the follow up in back. the car. Yeah. Yeah. In the car with the whole conversation of you've got to take the costume off and his callbacks to Jason Todd. And yeah. It's like that yeah. was some power. That was great. Idea. That was a great moment where he's like remembering, you know, where he felt he was at his lowest because he had to remove Jason's costume, you know, to to protect the mission. Yeah, regardless and, you know, of the regardless of the confusion about his relationship with Catwoman versus you know the story that was told last week, 
Uh, I thought this was a really strong issue, and I, I have been out of Batman for a while, but uh, this brought me back in. Same yeah. here. And I, you know, I'm I, I'm I know I'm asking. I know I'm I'm just screaming to the heavens, and no one's listening. If DC wants to just not do a backup feature and cut the cost by a dollar with the next issue, I'd be fine with that. I don't need a five dollar Batman book every time with a backup well, I know story you that I'm not going to read. I know you didn't read the backup book, but the backup I meant to, I just story. Forgot. Well, the backup story was confusing uh, <laughs> because it's got bat, it's got Catwoman in a different place than she is in the first part of this book, and so I'm like, no, okay, what? <laughs> it was just it was a little confusing. Yeah, confusing. but it was written. It is written by Chip Zdarsky, who wrote the uh, the the mm-hmm. first part. So I I will give it a read. I just forgot, but yeah, I I enjoyed Batman 125. I will pick up Batman 126. Um, and hopefully, what this issue reminded me of a bit was like Hush. Um, you know, when Hush first started from Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, you know, not obviously the same crazy superstar creative team, but it felt like a back to basics approach with some cool villains that, you, you know, you'll see. So hopefully we're kind of going to get more of that um, in the storyline. So, yeah, I'm in for the next issue. So, you know, the Internet told us that Dark Crisis number two was a terrific book that it was this a the must been waiting for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Must read. So, Paul, must we have read it? No. <laughs> you know, in fact, the only thing I really, you know, the, there there were a couple of pages in the book that I did like. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the Nightwing Deathstroke fight. Fight. It is certainly not the one I've been waiting for. It's no more vicious than any other one. <clears throat> in fact, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed seeing Dick Grayson kick his ass. I thought that was yeah. great. It didn't um, feel like we got the completion of the fight. Yeah, but I, but then for me, my favorite moments of the book were was like, were you know what? If you if you kill me, you'll let everyone go. And Deathstroke's like, yeah, sure. And, you know, he, he sacrifices himself just for <clears throat> Jonathan Kent, Super, Superman, to show up. I was like, yes, that was like that's a world's finest moment that, that exactly. I really yeah. that moment of the book. So there were probably about five pages of this book where I was like, yes. And the rest that of it was, was like, the eh. the whole <laughs> highlight of the book for me. That page with Jonathan just flying right there at the exact moment. The uh, you've got your dad's timing comment. Yeah, I mean, that I thought was that was just, great. It was wonderful. Well, well then Cyborg I, I, Superman getting curb stomped by Cyborg. That was kind of funny. Well, and I did enjoy Cyborg Superman showing up. You know, I always liked that guy. There, again, there were good parts to this book, but yeah. overall, it just felt like... Uh, you know, it seems like nothing. a collection of moments and not an overall story. You know, yeah. there are elements yeah. of this book that I thought were, were worthwhile, but it's not a cohesive story that I feel like is is anywhere near what Crisis on the Infinite Earths was. Or what this book should be. I mean, you know, right. if you're going to throw Crisis before your name, I have not read. I'm trying to think. Okay. The only book that the only crossover that had Crisis in its name that I disliked was Final Crisis. Yeah. But Infinite Crisis, yeah. Identity Crisis, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Multiple Earths, those are all stupendous books. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't put Crisis in your name and give me a book that's, you know, low grade quality. Give me stakes. Give me impact. There were no stakes in this book. They even said, you know, um, what's his face? Beast Boy got shot in the face, but he's fine. You know, yeah. this is, you know, this big battle between Nightwing and Deathstroke. Yeah, I thought they were fine. actually killed him, and then he's like, no, he survived. Yeah, his heart's not there, you know, because he's he, he's a shapeshifter, so he can put his heart anywhere. So it was like, come on, like, yeah, there's got to be, you know, I, I want to feel like this book is important, but it feels like it started with a fake death of the Justice League. It feels like there's no stakes in this book exactly. so far. Yeah. But and what I find 
What I find interesting is that it seems linked to Flashpoint Beyond, or more accurately stated, I feel like Flashpoint Beyond is linked to Dark Crisis. I agree, and I don't know if you know which which came first, the chicken or the egg. As right. in, I don't know if Flashpoint Beyond was already in process and just had to inject some some references. I mean, some pretty significant references mm-hmm. to it. You know, basically the Time Masters are hiding in the bleed or in hyper time to avoid being affected by um, what's the bad guy in dark crisis pariah. with a P pariah, pariah. you know, yeah. avoid what pariah is doing, you know? So I, you know, I feel like that, that, that was a, I, I appreciated the tie. Um, yeah. I have to say, I, I was surprised by this issue because I hated the second issue and I have not mm-hmm. liked this mini series at all, but I, this was much better than the actual crisis book. There was a lot know. more I enjoyed in this book than I did in in Dark Crisis, that's for sure. I will I will say there are things I enjoyed about both of them in different ways. I don't feel like I like I don't feel like either one of them moved to the story no. in any significant manner. And that's what I've been saying about the last three issues of Flashpoint Beat. Right. But I think there were more concepts I enjoyed in this one. Like I love the Time Masters being outside of time to avoid it. I really liked having the Kryptonian crystal speaking through uh, was it plant thing? these plants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah man by thing. the plant, by man thing, by the plants. I thought that was an interesting twist that I haven't seen before. You know, I think one of the things that we're going to talk about, you know, we, we, we won't, we've got two more books, but uh, you know, spoiler and it's warning not gone. man thing. That's Marvel. It's swamp thing. It's swamp thing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I feel that one thing that's very consistent in, in all the books that I read this week is they all felt like, inconsequential cop-outs mm-hmm. um i mean it, spoilers because that's what i'm going to say about the next two books as well mm-hmm. um you know this book just you know it feels like we're, we're still treading water on you know we're, we're there's only three issues left i feel like we are really really no further than we were after issue zero um we really are no further on our next book paul <laughs> Yeah, that is quo. Yeah. So before we talk about uh, Joker 15, is anyone picking up the next issues of Dark Crisis or Flashpoint Beyond? I'm going to get the next to Flashpoint Beyond, definitely. And I'm a glutton for punishment. So even though I'm not enjoying it, I'm probably going to get the next Dark Crisis. That is probably a true statement for myself. Because there were enough individual (laughs) moments. There were enough individual moments in the book that I enjoyed that while I didn't enjoy the stories overall or the book overall, there's some really awesome individual moments. Yeah, well, and the Daniel Semperi art is going to bring me back to Dark Crisis because I, I truly feel the art is is beautiful. Oh, yeah, the art's great. But, um, yeah, so, Wayne, to your point, Joker 15, you know, we have been talking for 14 issues almost about how this is probably one of my favorite books on the market, jumps to the top of the read list. I've been very excited about this long-delayed 15th issue. You know, there's there's just mystery, which you know the answer of. You know, everyone wants to know. Did Commissioner Gordon kill the Joker? Um, you know, and, and basically by the end of by the end of issue 15, you're in a place where it's almost as if this book didn't exist. <laughs> like nothing, like nothing of consequence happened um, the, the way they tied the story, other than the fact that James Gordon Jr. is now a, um, a an owl or a talon for the Court of the Owls, and Barbara Gordon is going to work on resurrecting him because he's been brought back as a zombie basically and she wants to bring him back the right way other than that it feels like nothing of consequence actually will have come out of this book and i feel sorry to say that because i enjoyed so much of it but the ending was just kind of a 
And then James Gordon let him get away. Yeah, even Joker <laughs> makes the comment, you know, about yeah. how nothing changing is the same. And it's like, I expected something out of it, something bigger out of this than just that fizzle. Because near the beginning, there were a lot of big things, like him admitting that he knows that Barbara is Batgirl. Yeah. And all of that, I thought, was really good. But in the end, it wraps up with nothing. And the backup stories, I've really enjoyed the Punchline Harper backup story. And it fizzled to a nothing as well. Yeah, uh, basically, it was a 15-part story that just ended up with Punchline getting out of prison and still being Punchline. You know, like nothing – again, it, there were no consequences to to such a, a long, well-written, well-drawn story arc. And hey, in the end, I mean, I guess I, the quality of the book was such that it was still a great book overall. And I'm talking about the series, The Joker. But because of the way it ended, it's probably not one that I find I will revisit. I would recommend it. Yeah. For someone to read, especially, you know, for free through or included in the cost of your infinite or if it's on sale on a trade. But it is not one that I will find that I would go back and revisit in the same way I would other Batman books. Yeah, same here. I I will not come back to it, even though I enjoyed it. And the same thing with this backup story. I really enjoyed the backup story until we get to a non-ending where they have their final fight showdown and it just stops with, hey, look at the Internet. Yeah. It's it's it, you know it, it's a shame, but again, it's because I was so much looking forward to it, and you know again that's kind of the the thread throughout all the books this week, um, you know, including sadly Strange Academy issue 18. I, and I don't want to say nothing of consequence happened in Strange Academy 18, um, but what I will say is I really got frustrated that it ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah, it seems like, you know, if you're telling a story in 18 issues that maybe you could just tell the whole story. Um, you yeah, know, that you get a, a complete arc as opposed to everything hanging. Uh, you know, the, the thing that that has been true about every single issue of Strange Academy has been that the artwork is brilliant by Umberto oh, yeah. Ramos and the writing is terrific by Scotty Young. And when I say the writing's terrific, I'm not talking about the story structure because I'm disappointed in how this thing, you know, just, just stopped. It didn't end. It just stopped. Yeah. Right. Um, but the characters are fantastic. Yes. Um, I was super frustrated about where we are left, uh, in terms of this story. And, uh, I'm just like, God dang, you know, 18 issues was enough to tell your story. Um, yeah. You know, there's there should have been an ending hinting at new things, you know, but it shouldn't have been, you know, just a, just such a huge cliff. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is, you know, knowing that they were doing you know, because they've announced for a few months now, like the end of this, you know, they're going to end the first story arc, take a break, you know, and then you'll get year two. Kind of, you know, kind of doing the Harry Potter thing because they even right. said Strange Academy issue, you know, look for the next Strange Academy issue one. So, you know, it's kind of starting over like you know, second, second semester or second year or whatever. Um, but this, this issue very much ended in, in a straight up cliffhanger. Now, if you had ended your second part, you know, mm -hmm. it, you know, this is basically, if you threw the empire, the ending of the empire strikes back at the end of the first star Wars, right? Like no, for your first arc, give me a completion for your second arc. You can leave me, you can leave me hanging because now you've now I've already invested and I know you're going to finish it up in the third. Um, but you know they, they they basically ended their first with you know spoilers on you know Emily has has gone bad and you know she opens a door to the to the dark dimension where the the students can escape because they're boycotting the school um and I I I, I liked 
the way the story went. Um, you know, I, I like the evolution of all of these characters, especially the main characters like Doyle, Dormammu. You know, I think he's everyone's favorite. Um, but I, I, I have really enjoyed seeing these characters. But it's frustrating to me that we didn't get some form of, like you said, conclusion with threads left open to pick up for the next arc. Um, beautiful art. I'm, I'm glad I read it. I, I'm hell yes, I'll pick up the next the next arc. But just you know, don't keep me waiting. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. at the bo- end of the book, I noticed it says to be continued this summer. And I'm like, do you mean this summer? Or <laughs> it was this book delayed? Right. <laughs> like when it's because, you know, it, it has, part, part two has not been solicited as far as I know. Yeah, so it's I, not coming up in the next two, three months. I was very disappointed in the ending. But hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, speaking of disappointing. <laughs> next week actually has, a, you know, it, it, it's a it's a rather after this week's large volume of high you know, um, I don't know, visibility books. It's a little bit more subdued next week. Next week, we get new issues uh, from Marvel. We get new issues of Punisher um, and Fantastic Four. Uh, we also get the first issue of The Mandalorian um, from Rodney Barnes and Georges Genty. Um, now, this, I, I'm going to pick it up. These are, to my understanding, adaptations of the episodes, not necessarily side stories, but I'm curious enough to pick it up. Um, so that's Mandalorian issue one. Uh, for those of you who have enjoyed um, the Devil's Reign storyline, uh, Daredevil issue one, kind of continuing the threads coming out of that, comes out next week um, from Chip Zdarsky, who's also writing Batman. And from DC Comics, we get new issues of Superman, Son of Kal-El, and we get Dark Crisis, World Without a Justice League, Superman number one uh, from Tom King and Chris Burnham. Well, sadly, it sounds like there's a lot of that there I'm buying. I love that that Punisher series right now. And uh, yeah. also, I'm about, I mean, Tom King book. on the Superman book. I'll pick that up. Yeah. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. What you thought about Thor? Give us a call. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise or perhaps even a screaming goat. <laughs> you can also hit us up on social media, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Very good. Well, guys, uh, you know, this is our first week without Andrew. I think we've got two more weeks to go, but uh, it was good connecting with you guys here on a Sunday after all of my copious tequila drinking. I mean, it kind of sounds like we were that we, it kind of sounds like we were a consolation when you say it that way. You're like, ah, you know, this is only my first week without Andrew, but. Uh, I think the alcohol helps them deal with. That's right. That's right. Ah, well, it helps hurt. me deal with that with that hole in my heart that Andrew. That Andrew-sized hole. hole. Yeah, that <laughs> Andrew-sized hole. All right, guys, we'll do it all over again next week. Thanks a bunch. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.